0: This is an ABC podcast. It makes me work harder,
1: but sometimes when it gets overwhelming, it can cause me to shut down.
2: Just not being in love with life and having difficulty shaking that off when usually I'm quite an optimistic person.
1: I actually lost control of the left hand side of my face. And I think that was a big kind of signal to me to pay a little bit more attention to to my stress levels.
2: Yes, that dreaded feeling that shortens your breath and quickens your heart, stress. It can paralyze us and make us sick but research shows we can actually use stress to improve our work and well-being. Hello, I'm Lisa Leong, and today on This Working Life, we're going to learn how we can transform our stress into a powerful force for our own good. Alison Earle is a mindset and resilience expert. She knows all about how powerful the mind is when it comes
0: to how stressed we feel. Look, I was an athlete growing up, And so stress was always something or pressure to perform was always something I really relished and enjoyed. And I thought I was always really cool under pressure. But then in the work environment, it was always something that was something I should be reducing or avoiding or something was wrong. I'm so stressed, you know, even the language we use. And um, when I was in New York, after years of running on adrenaline, I definitely experienced the dark side of stress and my body really started reacting to it. So I I was diagnosed with proctitis. Uh, It was a chronic condition. I was told it would never go away. The doctor really just said to me, look, this is your new life and uh, you just need to learn how to manage it. And the biggest thing I should do is reduce my stress.
2: Hmm, Well, being told to reduce our stress is not that helpful, as we'll soon learn. But what happened next is
0: quite amazing. Alison turned to positive psychology. I re-engaged with the more athlete mentality of how stress is useful and helpful and literally my symptoms cleared up completely and I haven't experienced any in six years. So for me, it was a total transformation that was purely down to mindset shift and it's obviously changed my life. Kerry Lewitt
2: is a health psychologist from Stanford University. She knows all about losing your cool under stress.
3: When I was uh, finishing my PhD and working on writing my dissertation, the beginning of the COVID pandemic, and I like to externalize things. I don't, I don't shut down, but I outwards. There's tears, there's meltdowns. I was deep in the pit for a couple of months and uh, wasn't totally, you know, managing it well on a daily basis. At the first sign of stress, I tend to give up a lot of the things that actually can help me be resilient in the face of that stress. <laughs>
2: (laughs) And hang on, wasn't your PhD on mindset, health, well-being?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, my PhD is on the power of mindset and how we can use mindsets to improve our health and well-being. You know, we're experts on this, but we're still human. It still can be difficult when you're in the pit, when you're in the throes of that stress.
2: And Kari, so what's happening inside our brains and our bodies when we're stressed? Can you break it down for us, please?
3: different kinds of stress lead to different kinds of reactions, right? So there's sort of this acute stress, like maybe if you're an athlete and you have a competition or you're going to give a talk or a presentation, and that's sort of fight or flight. And so our body is releasing stress hormones, things like cortisol, things like adrenaline, things like DHEA, which is actually a neurosteroid that helps our brains grow in order to help us meet this fight or flight response. At the same time, our body is really trying to prepare us for what it thinks is an emergency. And so it's suppressing some other things, right? It's suppressing things like digestion or some things like growth. Things like ovulation can be interrupted by that sort of acute stress. So the stress response was designed to help us meet these challenges, right? So there's a lot of things happening in our body that are preparing us for action. But there's also a flip side to that in that it's deprioritizing some sort of longer term growth or well-being things that happen in the body.
2: And it's not stress itself that's damaging to our minds and bodies, is it? It's actually how we think about
0: it. Can you explain this, Alison? Absolutely. Absolutely trying to eliminate stress and reduce it is actually really unrealistic when you break down how we live our lives and work pressure and all of this stuff. Uh, so it's, it's not so much the stress that's the problem. It's how we think about it. And therefore our mindsets are one of the most powerful tools that we have against the stress epidemic. And the best thing is that we have complete control over our mindset. So we can't control all the external factors. Uh, COVID happened to everyone, right? And everyone's situation, uh, was impacted in in negative ways. Uh, Before COVID, we had the bushfires here in Australia. It was an incredibly stressful time. There's always work stress. Every market that I know of uh, has become more intense, competitions intensifying, more uncertainty than we ever had to navigate. Leaders have to grow revenue while reducing costs. So the message that the only way to manage that stress is to reduce it is one of the most disempowering messages out there. Uh, So to me, this was just a, a complete breakthrough uh, because it puts us back in control of our own experience.
3: There's this idea that Actually, rather than reducing our stress or getting rid of it, we should be saying, hey, stress is related to the things I care about the most. The most rewarding, fulfilling, meaningful parts of my life are also the parts where I've experienced stress. And if you reflect on times where you've grown a lot as a person, either professionally in your job or personally in your relationships, when you've achieved things you're really proud of, ask yourself if those times in your life were times of stress. And the answer is almost invariably yes. That when we look back on the things that helped us to sort of grow and reach new levels and perform better and achieve greater things, that happens because of the stress that we put ourselves through and the stress that we experience. just to add to that. I think in workshops, when I'm
0: talking to people about stress, I come up against a lot of skepticism because they will believe that stress helps you perform but they really have a hard leap between stress being good for you. That's one of the biggest challenges. And so when we look at research that can actually demonstrate that thinking about our stress differently is not just about feeling better about it, we actually also release different hormones in our body. Our body has a different physiological response to it to make it less harmful and more helpful. Um, I think that's where I see most people really go, wow, I had no idea. So thinking about stress from a, um, a stress mindset is not just about feeling better about a bad thing. It's also about making something that could be harmful actually really helpful physiologically and emotionally and psychologically. And there's
2: an amazing example of this. Pioneer in this area, Dr Alia Crum, led a Harvard study to examine how our mindsets influence our physiological health. I'll let Kerry explain.
3: What they did was they went around to hotel room attendants. And if you think about it, hotel room attendants get a lot of exercise. They're on their feet all day. They're changing bed linens. They're scrubbing bathtubs. Like, they are moving all day long. But when she asked these room attendants, two-thirds of them said that they didn't exercise regularly, and one-third said that they got no exercise So what they did in this study was they merely informed some of these room attendants that their work was good exercise, that actually it far and away exceeded sort of what the general recommendations are for how much exercise an adult should get. And what they found was that four weeks later, looking at these room attendants, those who had been informed that their work was good exercise not only liked their jobs more, but they also reported significant weight loss. So it was an average weight loss of about two pounds. And they also found a reduction in their blood pressure as well. And these room attendants, they didn't say that they had gone out and joined a gym. They hadn't taken on extra shifts at work. So this sort of came about as a result of the shift in their mindset. And this sort of inspired a lot of Dr. Crum's work on stress mindsets, where she shows that actually, if you can orient people to this mindset that stress is helpful and enhancing for health, performance and well-being, it creates this self-fulfilling prophecy. It makes that stress more enhancing. People have fewer sick days, they have better work performance and they have better sort of emotions and life satisfaction as a result of changing their mindsets about stress.
2: So how do we change our mindset about stress? Kerry's got a three-step process for us.
3: So the first step is to see or own your stress. So just acknowledge that you're stressed. So sometimes people calling this name it to tame it, merely naming our emotions can help us process and understand them and help us respond rather than, you know, like me when I was working on my dissertation and I was just having meltdowns and skipping my workouts and all of these things and sort of responding very reactively. That naming our emotions and naming our stress can help us respond from a place where we're more clear-headed and deliberate. The next step is to own your stress and recognize that you're stressed because you care about something. We, by definition, don't get stressed about things that aren't important to us. So if somebody else that you don't know is having a hard time at work, that's not going to stress you out. If you're having a hard time at work, if your partner's having a hard time at work, that's gonna stress you out because that's something you actually care about. So when you have a stress like a work stress, say that you're having difficulties with a boss or a colleague, you might ask yourself why that actually is stressing you out and try to get to the heart of the reason of the value. Maybe it's because it's impeding your ability to do your job well. Well, why do you care about doing your job well? Maybe it's because you really believe in the work that you're doing and believe that it helps people. Maybe it's because doing your job well is necessary for you to provide for your family and your children, and that's what you really care about. But get all the way down to that core value underneath the thing that is stressing you out. And then that brings us to the third step, which is to try to use or channel your stress. So you can start asking yourself, okay, is the way that I normally respond to this stress helping me get closer to the things that i care about right so is this frustration with a boss where i give my boss a hard time and decide that i'm not going to do what she wants me to do is that actually getting me closer to the goal of performing my job really well to support my family or to make the world a better place is there a way i could tap into some of this stress to either channel my energy to find solutions to the problem i'm facing to reprioritize in accordance with my values and sort of do things that are more in alignment or to respond in a way that somehow connects me to that value so I can feel more connected to that as that's the really important thing going on here. So again, it's not always easy, but we always have access to these tools to help rethink our stress and change our mindset.
2: (sighs) I'm still feeling a tad bit stressed and so are you it seems. Thanks to those of you who shared your stories of work stress with us.
1: Hi, my name is Jacob Woods-Huxable, and where a lot of work-related stress comes from me
0: is that feeling of taking on too much, sometimes at the expense of my own emotional health, and this then sort of turns into that stress of there's so much more work to do, there's so much more in front of you that you're yet to achieve. So... The feeling of exhaustion and not enough hours of the day is probably one of the most common areas that people are legitimately struggling with. And we need empathy, energy and ease, right? We do need to recognise the challenge of what we are being confronted with at any given time. So whether it's the exhaustion, not enough hours of the day, running myself into the ground, if we don't actually recognise it and give ourselves a bit of self-empathy, then that will just send everything south anyway. And then energy and ease, more than anything, we need very simple ways to boost up our energy. So I'm a big believer in taking very simple two-minute activities or less to do something, whether it's a breathing, listening to a song, just something that is really going to give me a positive shift, a boost of energy, watch a funny video, anything, and do it five times a day. That's 10 minutes a day that could transform how you feel.
3: Yeah. So what I'm really seeing is the exhaustion that often comes from caring so much about what you're doing, right? So part of what we're hearing is there's so much more work to be done. I need to keep going, 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 right? And so I think part of owning and recognizing your stress and connecting with the value underneath that work that you're doing is thinking about How do I make this sustainable? Can I do what I'm doing where I'm running myself ragged and leaving myself exhausted at the end of the day for the next five years, 10 years, 20 years? And if the answer is no, then actually what you're doing is getting yourself farther from your values and your goals and not closer, even though in the minute so much about your goals is telling you that this is what you have to do. So for a week, do an experiment where every hour you force yourself, you take a timer and you set a 10 minute timer and you go and you stand up and you move around a little bit and you drink a glass of water and you step outside for two minutes and breathe in the fresh air and then you go back to your work. And see if at the end of the week, A, how do you feel? And B, how much less have you actually gotten done? Because when we're in that scarcity mode that there aren't enough hours in the day mode, our brain is telling us that any time we spend away will result in a loss of productivity or the bottom line. But actually so much of the research shows the opposite, right? That taking breaks makes us more creative and efficient. That fueling our bodies helps us perform better play around with a couple of different ways of stepping back, pausing, checking in, and then see how that goes for you.
1: So I'm Adam uh, and I work in a professional services industry. I think the thing that causes me most stress is that often the work is never done. So there are always a hundred things to be thinking about. I work on fairly long-term, big, complex projects. And so that means I can't just kind of tick things off the to-do list and say, cool, I've, I've done that, I'm finished. I can, I can switch off and I can move on. Last year, I actually lost control of the left-hand side of my face for a brief period. <laughs> so it turned out it's something called Bell's Palsy. Apparently stress is one of the, the factors that you know, leaves you susceptible to something like that. And I think that was a big kind of signal to me to pay a little bit more attention to, to my stress levels.
3: Stress does contribute to so many illnesses, especially illnesses that are chronic or misunderstood. I think a lot of that gets boiled down to stress is a factor in this condition because those things tend to go together. But so much of the focus is on reducing stress only and not on building up other things, right, like healthy sleep or movement or relationships or things that bring us joy and feed into our positive emotions for our health as well. I think this feeling that the work is never done is something that a lot of people feel. And it's true, like for a lot of us, the work is never done. And so there's sort of two ways of looking at that. One way is you better work as much as possible forever because there's so much work and it's never gonna be done. Another way is saying a little bit like nihilistically, The work is never going to be done, so wherever I stop is just as good as any other place. And I think also we should give ourselves credit for what we do, so... Something I've started doing personally in the pandemic that's been really helpful is I switched from a computer to-do list to a handwritten to-do list, because when I had my computer to-do list, at the end of every day, I would delete the things that I had done, and I was left with a perpetual list of the things I had not gotten to, and no record of what I had done, and now with a written to-do list, I cross off what I've done, and on many days, there's one or two things that I haven't gotten to, but I can't can see that there's a whole bunch of things that I did get to and so especially if you work on these bigger long-term projects doing that helps you break big tasks down into smaller tasks helps give you credit for what you've actually done and helps you start being realistic about what you can do in a day in a week in a month while also maintaining sort of your health and well-being and your sanity. I've moved to more achievement lists,
0: just looking back at the day and thinking about what is it that we achieved today? What did I manage to um, do? And really just reframing the language around it so that we feel a sense of achievement, even in smaller aspects of whatever it is. And then you can set what are the priorities tomorrow? What will I achieve tomorrow? And just taking that pressure of the endless list off us and really thinking about it as, even if it's a very small thing, it was something that I achieved.
2: As a single parent, having worked remotely for quite some time now, it feels like there is just an eternal juggle, you know, needing to show up at work and for your family and for remembering to show up for yourself as well. It's just like almost a a constant drain, just not being in love with life and having difficulty shaking that off when usually I'm quite an optimistic person.
3: Yeah, so I I believe... What this person is experiencing, which I can relate to myself, is it's often called languishing, right? So we can think of ourselves as flourishing or thriving, and then we can also think of ourselves sometimes as languishing. So it might not cross the threshold of a mental disorder, you know, like depression, but... You're not thriving. You're not living your best life. And I think a lot of us are feeling that right now in the pandemic, especially parents with the disruptions to school and childcare, and the lockdowns and the isolation and things like that. A, you know, have a lot of empathy for yourself that you're going through something really hard and try to invite gentleness whenever possible and try to take it easy on yourself whenever possible. And I would also counsel some rituals to break up the day and break up activities. So especially when we're working at home and everything is bleeding into everything else, you know, something as simple as, okay, we're going to start dinner now and I'm going to Lower the lights and light a candle and transition to like, this is our meal and family time and we're going to do that. So trying to, you know, put in those transitions to your day, I think, could provide a little bit of comfort. I just it was
0: such an important point about being OK with the fact that sometimes you're just not in your best place. One of the tools we use is the surviving to thriving ladder and so and everything in between so surviving, coping, managing, leveraging, thriving and just by introducing that as a model to people where they can build their own awareness around what each of these levels look like for them, uh, what is their experience and what are the things that help them when they're in any of those stages. Uh, it's not about judgment, it's not about saying you're doing really bad, you're doing really poorly because you are surviving or coping right now, how do we move you up? It's about saying sometimes we are surviving or coping and that is okay. Um, sometimes it's tough, and but we want to be able to recognise it so we can give ourselves what we need. And I think that's the really important part is that self-awareness without judgement. So Because that self-awareness, when it's met with self-compassion, is what gets to self-care. When it's met with judgment and wanting to, uh, you know, I shouldn't be this way, then all of a sudden we're hard on ourselves and we don't do the things that we need. So it needs to be self-awareness met with self-compassion to get to self-care. I think one of the most important things is just to recognise that we are a whole person with a whole experience and honour that whole experience and workplaces uh, will be better served if we can support the whole person and not just the worker. And so it's not just all about productivity at work uh, and my mindset around work, it's about how do we develop really productive humans? And that requires actually considering the whole person. Stress is
1: definitely a part of my job as a high school teacher. You are bound by and you are governed by the emotions of young people, so Stress is something that definitely affects my professional life. I feel my heart rate going up a little bit more and I feel like my heart is almost in my throat. It definitely impacts me in in the fact that it makes me work harder, obviously. Um, But sometimes when it gets overwhelming, it can cause me to shut down.
3: I have such respect for teachers. I come from a family of educators and it's one of those jobs where like you can't phone it in. So there's some really great studies on reframing our stress. So there's a study showing that if you can get kids who are taking tests to reframe their anxiety as excitement, it helps them perform better because you already have a lot of these pieces, right? That sometimes that stress and that physiological arousal helps you perform better. So reframing that and saying, okay, I'm feeling this in my body, this is my body preparing me to do its job. I'm feeling excited. I'm ready to go. This can be a fake it till you make it moment. Even if you feel like you're not excited, the research shows that just saying that can help reappraise some of those physical sensations of really harnessing that in the moment. So use those physical stress signals to either engage with the stress or to lean into the stress as excitement.
0: This is a huge challenge in all workplaces is that social contagion of our experience and the fact that we can be doing a really good job and have a really positive mindset. The other people around us may be feeling a little differently <laughs> and approaching things differently. The fatigue that's coming from taking on other people's problems all the time is huge and it starts impacting us as if it's our own stress as well. So one of the things we need to do is learn how to hold space for someone and be there for them without actually absorbing all of their challenge and it's sort of the difference of being a sponge I'm, I'm sponging it all in versus more being a, a, a slide it can come off me you're separating yourself from the challenge of supporting that person I think that's that's the delicate balance of making sure that we don't take on the vicarious stress of everyone around us and we keep everyone else healthy and well as in the process
2: thanks so much Alison oh you're welcome thank you so
3: much for having me and thank you Carrie. oh it's been so much fun thank you
2: Well, I'm feeling pretty good after that and hope you are too. But of course, if your stress is overwhelmingly strong and changing your mindset just isn't enough, please seek professional help. And if you want to know how you can get brilliant results with less, not more effort, then have a little wander back to our podcast feed and download my interview on effortlessness with Greg McKeon from July last year. This Working Life is produced by the incredibly stress-free Zoe Ferguson. I'm Lisa Leong, and until next time, love your work.
0: You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.